I don't trust a therapist who hasn't been to therapy. I think it's so important for people to be vulnerable and to know what that vulnerability is like. time podcast we Yo. are your two favorite homegirls netta and stella and today we have time for psychotherapy with dr shakira hayward stewart paris bowles and dina delva but before we dive into all the details and the juiciness of the show we of course have to pay these bills and today's show is being sponsored by acres of diamond recording studio no, we're not in their studio recording. However, they are down with the We Got Time band. Oh, so we'll be back after this commercial break. Like two flat tires. Hey. What's up, family? This is Kooji Young, artist, songwriter, producer, and president of the Acres of Diamonds Collective, your sponsors for this episode of We Got Time. AOD specializes in music production and artist development. You can check out my latest release, Stay True, and many more on your favorite streaming service today. Just search K-U-J-I space Y-O-U-N-G. Peace. What's up, friend? It's been a minute. What's up, girl? Actually, it's never been a minute for us because we always talk, but... It's been a minute since we recorded. <laughs> and corrected, right. It's never a long minute between us. It's been a minute since we've been in the studio with the time to talk with our loyal listeners. We, as we all know, we're in this Black Lives, hashtag Black Lives Matter movement. Um, that is one of the bigger things that's going on in our world today. Coronavirus, who? Like, we don't even... Everybody forgot about her. We done forgot about Rona. Um, I've just been out here really protesting and being a part of the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, Just seeing the streets of Charleston in a different light um, and just really being active and trying to create change here in the community in which I currently live in. Um, And that happens to be Charleston, South Carolina. Um, If anyone knows uh, Charleston, Charleston is home to slavery.com. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to be real. Mm-hmm. I did not know Charleston was so deeply rooted in slavery until I really moved here um, and started teaching. You know, I've been here for six years now, um, but I, I've definitely learned a lot and this movement has created, helped me um, to learn a lot. So yeah, that's what I've been doing. You know, I'm putting activists on my resume, you know, because I've been out here. That part. Uh, you know, add it to the resume. Mm-hmm. Uh, here fighting a good fight, speaking on behalf of education, on behalf of uh, social emotional learning and techniques and tools that we're going to be uh, utilizing in the classroom, you know, when we go back in August. So I'll be super, I'm super anxious kind of to see how that's going to look, how we're going to transition our kids because they're seeing trauma. Mm-hmm. Different levels that we've never experienced before mm-hmm. um, and being pulled out of the schools um and then here comes black lives matter and you know riots and and protests are happening in their backyard so a lot of new emotions to to mm-hmm. handle like we don't are we're already a, a generation of mishandled emotions so right I, this has been like excuse the pun but almost like a forest fire of emotions through the city absolutely everyone's burning emotionally right now i think absolutely yeah and i it's it's just been a, it's been an interesting journey. It's it's been really interesting. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I've been up to. Uh, mm-hmm. What you what let people know what you've been up to? What you've been cooking up? Yeah, man. It, current current event wise, <clears throat> yeah. Add activists to your resume. You can add community supporter to my resume. O D because the my perspective. Um, 
it's 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 fluid. I have a fluid perspective on protesting and writing and and right. and, and and how you people use their message. You know, yeah. If I I believe Malcolm X was my uncle, so by any means necessary. And so whatever means is your means, yours and mine do not necessarily have to be the same, but I like Absolutely. To, I'd like to see right now I'm fired up to see so much fire in my city. I'm mm-hmm. fired up to see so much fire in my community. I'm fired up to see so many people spreading a fire, a, 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 a message with fire, you know? Right, right. Um, there'll be disagreeable ways and modes to getting that message across, just like any message. Some people yell, some people write, some people sing, some people do a lot of things to say the same thing. Why do we have so many love songs? Because people talk about love in so many different ways. So right now people are expressing pain, torture, depression, hate, and trauma in a lot of different ways, all of this at at a very concentrated time. So for me, that's what current events is looking like. I'm taking a, right. I'm like learning how I see things. I'm learning and understanding how I express myself when the mm-hmm. pressure, the pressure is hot. So, um, I've been trying to keep my eyes and my ears to the streets. Um, I, 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 I work in the community, th- but behind a particular veil. So, uh, I've taken the I've taken the initiative to get a little bit more front street in some of these actions with how mm. I with how people see and hear me. It's for for me it's it's exhausting as AF since yeah. to curse. It's exhausting <laughs> AF. Like I <laughs> I'm trying to to understand how you know the those who came before us Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, Rosa Parks, Angela Davis, like all of those activists you know, in the 1960s, like, how, how did they do this? Like, how did they do this? Because, you know, I'm, I'm learning a lot, like being down here on the grounds in in Charleston, that there's like a divide Mm -hmm. of those who want change, you know? Um, And me, I mean, if, if anyone's ever heard me talk about Charleston, I personally think Charleston um, is a crab in a bucket mentality city. Um, It's just, I've, I've lived in a couple of different cities, you know, traveling with the military and whatever, but, um, I, I, I love the protest. I think it was the most beautiful thing that I've ever seen in my whole entire life when, when Charleston had their first protest, our first protest down here. Um, oh, I lost my train of thought. Um, you, that, but I think it's, it's, there's also a lot of individualism, is that the correct word, um, coming out with it? Because people, because we have social media right now, people are wanting to say, I did this protest. I brought 2,000 people out here. You see I a lot did- of personal agendas seeping through. Yes. And I, I'm starting to see a lot of not room for that. This is supposed mm-hmm. to be, this is supposed to be, I don't mean to c- interrupt you, but I, and I, and that trick, that's my trigger. Like I'm speaking from a community perspective and I see people being right. a selfish agenda. So that's so counterproductive to mm-hmm. why we're all supposed to be out here. And right. it, it irks me to understand someone's taking three steps back with their personal agenda when we're trying to take a unanimous step mm-hmm. forward. Yeah, and, and so those are some of the things that I'm learning. Um, and it's also, uh, there's a lot of people who are from here who are very out in the forefront. Like, what I will say college students down here are definitely taking the lead. And I think it's so dope that our young, younger generation is really taking a step out. Like, I'm talking like the 21-year-olds, the 22, yeah. the 23-year-olds. But um, so I love it. But I'm, I'm also seeing the other side of it, too. And it makes me wonder, like, yo, did Malcolm and Martin never have beef? They ever exchanged words? Like, you absolutely. know, like, they absolutely did. They yeah. Have- like, you know, um, it's, it's just stuff like that. And it's just like uh, so it's, it's interesting and it's making me read a lot more. Um, you know, both of us are big bookworms. Mm-hmm. So I picked up a couple books. Ooh, what uh, you reading, Fran? What you reading? All right. So this book is called madness rules the hour and it is a book about charleston and i'm i'm just in the beginning of it um and it talks about how the media can create a revolution Mm. right and how the media was played a really big part um in charleston as far as keeping you know slavery what it was because if you couldn't if you couldn't read you couldn't read the newspaper yo there was a quote in there that blew my literal socks off (laughs) And the way this book opened up about the history of Charleston and like the, it peeled, it took you back to the root of, of 
of keeping right. people ignorant and where I feel like ignorance is bliss. That's a misconception. Right. So a, a passage from the book. So it talked about um, one of the bigger slave owners down here. His name is, last name is Rhett. Um, so for the Rhett, a newspaper. So they owned this newspaper and this newspaper at the time was called the Mercury. Um, and it sat down in the middle of all the slave market and the trading and all of that stuff. Right. It said, um, for the Reds, a newspaper was a uniquely visible tool. Despite widespread illiteracy among whites in the South, those who could not read were bound to have their views shaped and influenced by those who could. And those who could were those mostly who were for slavery, who were against the, the separation of the Union. Um, uh, although books, magazines, and pamphlets all mattered, nothing was more powerful than the daily newspaper. So to this family, the Reds, their public opinion, they said that public opinion mattered the most and that the press is the mightiest instrument of revolution in all enlightened and civilized nations. Hmm. That out. So what are we dealing with? We're dealing with a lot of press stuff. I know there's a lot of conspiracy theorists out there who are just like, oh, the Black Lives Matter movement is you know, a stage is something the media is creating. I see both sides of it because I'm like, yeah, I do see where the media can influence. The media does have the power to show us things and not to show us things. But at the same time, you have the power, the personal power of knowledge to like, you don't have to rely on the media like people used to. Exactly. You have exactly. The tools and the way you know that you can read and write. Like, for those, right. like so don't be stuck <laughs> in the same ignorance that that we used to be when we don't have to be. Right, so right, right. That's my thing. We know the media's job, they have a power and they can use it right. for good, they can use it for bad. And that's why reading is fundamental. Like th that's what I'm saying. Like reading is so fundamental, especially right now. Like uh, me and Janetta, we go, on, we go on bookstore dates. You know, I put it on FaceTime, like what book should we get? Mm -hmm. Recently, I'm gonna say we because you were on FaceTime with me. We were in the bookstore mm -hmm. and looking for the new Jim Crow, y'all. That book sold out globally. Gone, gone. So either people are really doing their research right now and really like out here about the revolution and trying to you know really sort things out, or they're Lord. from us, and we know who they is. We ain't gonna we ain't even gotta elaborate because they're gonna take down our show. <laughs> <laughs> but we know who they is. So I thought that was so interesting. I went up there. I was like, Hey, can I, do you guys have this book, the new Jim Crow? She was like, girl, we ain't got no black books pretty much. That's exactly what she told me. Right. And, and, this one, and like, just, I don't know if they heard you clearly just cause like that zoom overlap. They, <laughs> they're hiding it from us claiming, mm -hmm. claiming sold out worldwide or we should be clapping our hands because it's a, it's a, it's a, it's we a, out here. We're a, an awakening revolution. Mm -hmm. That means, yes, that means great. That means that my brother and my sister somewhere across the street or across the state lines went out to say, let me learn a little something extra today. So let me educate myself. Right. 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 So because if you're going, if you're going to talk about it, you definitely got to be about it. You got to know the facts. You got to know your history. I think it's so important to study the leaders that came before us because in my opinion, we don't have a Martin Luther King. We don't have a Malcolm X. We don't have those leaders who are, you know, like one leader to be like, yeah, we're going down with Martin, you know, down to the battery on Sunday, you know, to listen to him. And I think that's so interesting. So can I say something right there? Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to leadership and the type of leaders um that you're saying that, that you're mentioning like what you see from from your view is we're missing leaders like that to guide us into certain situations mm -hmm. um i i think also this is a difference in the time that we were in the times that we were reflecting i think we also do not necessarily have to represent as as like this lost flock of sheep that mm -hmm. have to have one person tell us we're going to go left and then turn right at the light. And we like, we don't have, there are, if we don't have leaders and there, that's why, in my opinion, that self-teaching, that self-knowledge stands mm -hmm. so important because you have to be able to learn and trust what you know, if anything else, if anything right. else, you can't, you can't let anybody always tell you what's right or what you think. So know you exactly what I just read. Exactly mm -hmm. what I just read. You're right. Yeah. We're in a different time. People, yeah. we, we smart. We're very smart. educated out here. Yeah, you're right. You're right.
So be wise, be your own wise leader in, in, in your thought leader. And, um, and then find people who are in sync with how you think and how you right. think. And then mm-hmm. find ways to support people who move and think. If you Because every some people are thinkers, some people take action, right. some people are the organizer. Find the different parts that are in sync and then jump right. in. Because I feel like, and we talked about this, everyone has a different role in this fight. Yeah. Not everybody is meant to be a protester. Not everyone's meant for that. You know, I have, um, uh, I, I'm out here with a teacher friend, Leilani, and we were, we're out here speaking, and one of our old head teachers, and she has, she's white, cool white lady, she called us and she was angry. She was like, listen, y'all need to tell me the days y'all are going out so I can keep my phone on alert in case y'all go to jail because I got y'all on bail money boom that's her part you know that's her part in this fight like okay she's like i want to go out there and protest with y'all but y'all know i'm old and i can't so i'm gonna hook y'all up with the so bell how are you supporting this how are you down with the cause mm-hmm. how are you down with the cause not everyone's meant to protest so even when we are out here protesting there are people along these protest trails that we're walking they got us with the snaps they got us with water like y'all I can't. people are just being so like nice and just like working together um and you know you and and you do have to watch like what groups you're with, you know, because there are there are some people who are taking advantage of the moment of the situation, um, and who aren't out here necessarily, you know, fighting for the better cause. So you know, do your research, even on the people you're you're watching speak in your community. You know, um, I'm pretty sure that I mean I know for a fact there's people who have researched me since I got up and spoke uh, the uh, those few times. Yeah. You know? um so no you know uh, just research your people they know their facts you know see if they're backing up what they're saying you know are they out here protesting are they out here for the good fight and just know like listen this is exhausting all right it's exhausting um but it's i i definitely think it's worth it but it's necessary and it's worth it exactly yeah this revolution necessary. will be televised this revolution, it will be this revolution will be on instagram live this revolution you know? will not be muted it will not be silenced it will be muted. it can't it can't Tele- be yeah a televised we all got iphones a televised revolution is the least of their worries to be honest there's a lot more ways that where that the message and the platforms can come mm-hmm. together like captain yep. Cook. so Hey, <laughs> with our powers combined, <laughs> I am Captain Planet. We're the Planeteers. Yeah, saving our planet is the thing Thank you to do. No, I can't. Looting and polluting is not the way. Here's what Captain Planet has to say. Then he comes down with your powers combined. I am Captain Planet. Yo. Fire, Fire. Fire. water, heart. <laughs> That's what we need, Captain Planet. Where are you, dog? Where yeah. you at, dog? Because if we never needed you back like we need it, we need you now. Now, yeah. in the 90s when we grew up, but dog, we need you now because we out here fighting. Yes, and it's getting disrespectful out here, Captain. So come through, bring it's all stressful the out here, bro. Bring all of our senses, all of our tools. We're going we gonna to work it out in this day and age. I, I guarantee. I guarantee. Yeah. Y'all know I'm all, all about it. Theater of the Press is my angle, and this is right up my alley. So I have a couple things that I'm planning as far as some peaceful protesting type yeah. Like there's some works there's some works going on some, after yeah. everybody's thoughts have been shaken up you know what i'm saying like nobody nobody who has things nobody who claims to have a platform where they say things and important things should be silent right right now like subliminally or whatever you should be working and putting something together to express what's going on absolutely, absolutely. um hold on one second Yo, you okay? Give me that bottle of Hello? What's up? While we were recording, even a little bit earlier, I got a whole bunch of messages from people locally. And Mm -hmm. the newest update in Atlanta, as we're speaking of current events, is breaking news that police are quitting at an alarming rate and they have little to no police force in Fulton County. And so there's been, um, 
Justin, like several zones in Atlanta have left their posts. Only two precincts remain open and answering calls in the entire city. And so in Atlanta? Yes. So Fulton County's jails staff have been called into the work streets. There's no officers in at least four police precincts in Atlanta and no one is answering the radio. The mayor is panicking and calling for help from other agencies. The only That's not good. That's not good. That's now that's what martial law is. That's martial law. Exactly. Because now we're going to have this lawless streets where the, so now this is how they're going to fight back. They're going to retaliate by being hands off. And now there's where it is armed robberies already. Word is armed robberies have been holding on for hours and GSP is assisting with car wrecks only. Absolutely. Atlanta about to have a little mini purge right, right now, right here, right now. Like y'all go watch that movie, The First Purge. Y'all know your girl Stella Glivia Stella Williams is a top dog conspiracy theorist. Like mm-hmm. I believe Hollywood foreshadows and they tell us a lot of things that can possibly happen. And I will say this with with all of the police force quitting. I mean, what Atlanta police force is black pretty much, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean, I I feel like this is this is it's like senses are being heightened on both ends. Like police officers are scared for their lives right now. Mm-hmm. Black are scared for their lives right now protesters are scared for their lives right now so atlanta is probably about to be a uh, a staple point since all this this is happening i haven't heard of already. any already. already 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 and isn't the the main center for disease control down there in atlanta the exact center for disease control mm. i ain't gonna say nothing else Right, so we've we had this discussion. They're gonna cut our show off. They're gonna cut show right. Off, we guys. had this discussion, and one less thing we know, we had lost three hours. I'm not doing it with y'all tonight. Just w- listen, keep your eyes and ears open. Like my other uncle Spike Lee is talking about. Took it out my mouth. Stop playing. I want everybody listen. We we were just getting ready to finish up with some heavy stuff. Educate yourself and put yourself in a position to not be jolted. And that's how everybody protects your mind and your actual body. Arm yourself with knowledge and otherwise. Uncle Spike and his latest movie on Netflix, Blood Five, Five Blood, whichever, however it's named, dog. It's like, he's like, yo, y'all go get strapped up. (laughs) I can't really say that on TV, but y'all go get strapped up. Mm -hmm. That's what Uncle Spike is telling us. And um, that's all I'm going to say. Everyone, I I feel like we should. I mean, people love utilizing their Second Amendment rights. I feel like we should. You should, people should really um, start protecting themselves because this is, we're going, oh, this is such a traumatic uh, thing. Um, And this is exactly why we have today's show. Like we're, Mm -hmm just going through a lot trauma wise, PTSD wise, mentally. Mm-hmm. You wake up every day and it is something, something new. It's called the five bloods. That's the, that's the movie. Five bloods. Okay. And another, so you got a book, you got a movie and here's a documentary to add to your list of some new tools. And that documentary is called, um, I am not your Negro. And mm. it, it's based on, <clears throat> it's based on a letter that James Baldwin wrote, and it it holds up civil rights activist Malcolm X, Martin, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., and Medgar Evers. So he took those three M's, Martin, Medgar, and Malcolm, mm-hmm. and he put them up and their philosophies up against each other. And he dissected so much about the struggle from a, a particular perspective that's just needs to be in my opinion so Mm. but there you go you guys have a documentary a movie and a book there's go fill your brain with something new from one of those sources and get on the wagon with some realness right now because it's not the time to be the last one to show up with something to say it's not don't show up late to the revolution dog don't 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 show up late to the revolution and with that being said we're gonna take this time and pay some bills so that we can get into the show and uh yeah talk about some therapy talk yeah. about we're gonna business. unfold we're gonna unfold today we're gonna unfold today open up get your pens and your pencils out is jim dropping jim jim hey. today we have a roundtable discussion prepared for you guys with the professionals who work in the streets daily the streets of mental health all right, so before we get into today's episode, of course, we have to pay some bills and loop you guys in with some dope folks. So after this commercial break, we'll dive deep into psychotherapy with 
today's guest. I'm sure you've never considered adding a coloring book to your bedroom repertoire, but Love and Lust is the adult adult coloring book full of sensual imagery sure to get things heated up. I'm Jessica Van and I help individuals and couples to enhance their sexual experiences through learning to prioritize their pleasure. I'm a licensed therapist and I developed this coloring book as a way to eliminate the shame sometimes associated with sex and increase healthy conversations about true intimacy. Love and Lust is accompanied by the Essential Love and Lust Toolbox, which is online and offers therapeutic exercises sure to spice up things in and out of the bedroom. Head over to EnvisionCounselingLLC.com. That's I-N-VisionCounselingLLC.com and get your Love & Lust Toolbox today. We Got Time podcast listeners get 25% off when you use promo code WEGOTTIME. Get your copy of Love & Lust today and add a little color to your sexy. Ever wondered how or why your relationships with friends, family, lovers, co-workers, even your children are impacted by your daddy issues? Yes, you have them. And believe it, these special set of problems have a very specific way of entangling us in webs so deceitful it has our heads spinning. Christian Jackson describes this philosophy in detail by giving us a unique diagnosis of daddy issues. She tells us how she was impacted and what to do to ensure the symptoms go into remission. This insightful, funny, emotional ride shares the heart of a woman who stopped fighting the depression, anxiety, and all the things that come with her unresolved junk. Head to couchwithchristian.com to reserve your copy of Daddy Issues, How to Detangle from the Sins of Our Fathers. Finally figure out what matters as you heal and learn the secrets on how to walk in grace and kick the stink of Daddy Issues. So um, my name is Dr. Shakira Haywood-Stewart, and I am a psychologist in New York um, City. So I do private practice. I also am a professor at City College of New York. Um, I see a range of clients, but primarily I see um, young adults. And um, you know, I primarily work with depression and anxiety and trauma, um, a lot of childhood trauma, childhood things. Um, and I love working with uh, folks who are in uh, career exploration and um, self-discovery, self-love, things like that, relationship issues, things like that. So um, that's primarily my practice. And um, yep, I teach and I do some consulting work as well. But I love being in the city. I love being black. And I love doing therapy. So that's pretty much all about me. Hi guys, my name is Paris Bowles. I am a supervised therapist um, and I work for in the private sector of mental health as well as kind of public um, government funded community core services. Um, so one of my jobs is I am a supervised therapist working in an eating disorder <coughs> treatment facility here in Atlanta. Um, my other job, because everybody Disclaimer, everybody in mental health has more than one job. So let's get that out the way. We all have multiple jobs. Um, so my other job is I am a supervised therapist that provides um, therapy services in home to adolescent and young adult clients all across that spectrum. I also work with anxiety, depression, bipolar disorder, um, anybody that can receive therapeutic services on the outpatient level. Um, and I'm also a grad student because my <laughs> right, my initial master's was in counseling psychology, and now I am back in school getting another master's in clinical mental health counseling so I can be a licensed therapist in Georgia. So I'm a busy girl. Yo, talk your shit, friend. <laughs> <laughs> hey, right, right. <laughs> uh, Dina, can you join in, please, friend, and introduce yourself and all the things that you do? Hello. Hey. Uh, so my name is Dina Delva. Um, I am a LMSW. Uh, I got my master's at uh, Clark Atlanta University. What's uh, LMSW? Licensed Master of Social Work. Mm -hmm. 
And I've, uh, yeah. <laughs> I work at Emory Midtown Hospital. I'm a mental health social worker. Um, we t I primarily deal with um, anyone over the age of 18 um, who, are who are infected with HIV mostly. Um, we do do other STIs and STDs, but we mostly work with the HIV population. Um, so it's a lot of it's a lot of mental health therapy for people dealing with mostly trauma, um, anxiety, depression, those kinds of things. So we're going to define what therapy is, as if any of our listeners are are totally new and open to the concept. So um, Professor Stella, that's how we prefer. Um, <laughs> you got your, do you have our definition for therapy ready for the folks? Right, so according to dictionary.com, therapy is defined as treatment intended to relieve or heal a disorder and or the treatment of mental or psychological disorders by psychological means. All right. So, Dr. Shakira, real quick, what is psychological disorders? What exactly does that mean? Can you break that down for us? <clears throat> yes. So, you know, the way that I look at and some people have a lot of different perspectives on this. And so I'm just going to mm -hmm. give you my perspective um, and what I've sort of been clinically trained um, and sort of, yeah, my lens on things. But I think there's uh, two arguments here. It's sort of like a nature versus nurture. So sort of nature, some things that are biological. I think um, certain things, certain disorders are biological. So let's say if we're talking about depression, some of these things could be biological, could be um, genetic, things like that. Um, and that would be sort of like a predisposition towards uh, depression. That could be uh, a chemical imbalance, um, different things like that. However, when we're looking at sort of the nurture side of depression, it could be um, circumstantial things that, that are happening in people's lives that sort of um, allow them to maybe sink into a temporary depression, um, a period of depression, or maybe even um, recurrent episodes of depression. So for me, I kind of view it on both sides, and it really just depends on the person, sort of their upbringing, um, and, you know, really what's happening for them. So mm -hmm. some people's depression goes away <laughs> with medication um, because there is sort of this genetic component to it, um, this um, biological component, or also some people's depression goes away because they've learned new skills, they have a new perspective on life, they sort of healed from past traumas and things like that, and that's sort of their way of healing. Um, for me, so y'all kind of talking about like, okay, what are these mental health disorders? Just like your physical body gets sick, our minds get sick too, our brains can be sick, it happens. Um, so it, a disorder is going to interrupt your life in some way. That's kind of the way, just like your, your physical life, you know, if you break your leg, no, you can't go to work. Okay, well, if I'm depressed, I also can't go to work. You know what I'm saying? So kind of this like level of this is getting in the way of my function day to day mm. is really, really important um, when we're talking about disorders. Um, and so therapy for, and again, I guess, and maybe Dina can piggyback off of me when she comes on. Cause when I think about therapy, I work in two different levels of care. Dr. Shakira works in a certain level of care. Dina works in a certain level of care. And so when we're talking about therapy, that is kind of one layer to like levels of care. And so the more severe the disorder is or the symptoms of the disorder, the higher level of care you may need to be in in the beginning. And then you can kind of work your way back down to therapy, outpatient therapy is what, what I said earlier. So Dr. Shakira has a private practice and that's outpatient. Um, I also go to people's homes that is considered outpatient therapy versus Dina who works in a hospital. So she might be able to kind of shed a little more light on that maybe. Perfect. I loved you guys' answer. Yes, I agree. It is definitely, so, it, and the disorder is something that um, messes up your everyday life. If you're unable to function, there's a reason for it. If you're, you know, clicking the lights 15 times before you leave the house, it's stopping you from getting to work on time. Those things interrupt your daily life. So I agree. So a disorder is anything that stops, stops you from doing your daily living functions. Um, yes, and um, with the, there's so many different levels to therapy. There's just, there's just so many different things. <laughs> like there's so like, I agree. There's just so many different levels in terms of 
you know, is it nature versus nurture? You know, is it the fact that, you know, you were molested when you were six years old or was it that you're 25 now and, you know, someone raped you and you can't figure out which one's the reason, you know what I mean? So it's like, there's just so many different factors in, sorry, my examples are going to have sex based because I work with HIV patients. <laughs> so a lot of my examples will, but you know what I mean? So it's just so crazy. Was it, was it, you know, is it because you were born this way or because you were, because something happened and it made you this way. And now we have to figure out well, mm. what level do we hit you at so we can, you know, get you into a, a, a normal working daily life function, <laughs> a productive member of society. <laughs> That was each one of you guys actually tapped on something Stella and I talked on earlier, which were when signs and red flags that let us know that we mm -hmm. may need some some attention in that in that degree um, on that degree. Um, and it was an article that she had found. She's the article queen. It was Psych Central. <laughs> Do you still have that, Stella? Yeah, have, mm -hmm. um, I have it. So it's just the five signs that it's time to see a therapist. Um, so number one is it causes significant distress in your life. Um, number two, nothing you've done has seemed to help. Uh, three, your friends and family are tired of listening to you. Uh, four, you start um, overusing or abusing something or someone to try to alleviate your symptoms. And five, people have noticed and said something directly to you. So we, you, I guess you guys, you guys really did answer all of those questions pretty much. Mm -hmm. um, because it's kind of like, do you, or do you see like all of these symptoms? Like, and it's like, oh, you need therapy or is it just like, you know, like one, like as, especially like in kids, Paris, because I know you work with children. So do you see these, the same signs or is it a little different working with uh, youth? So I'm gonna, let me break it down like this. Okay. Cause I work in residential treatment and I work only with adolescents there. That's eating disorder treatment. So of course, the majority of my clients are white adolescents, but those are not my mm. only clients, okay? So I have Asian, Hispanic, black, boys, girls, transgender kids that I'm working with. And then outpatient, I work only with um, black adolescents and children, okay? Mm. So when we're looking at kids and how kids show symptoms of disorders, especially black kids, um, I really want to drive this point home. Like you will see moodiness or changes in grades or changes in appearance. Uh, they don't wear the same things they like to wear. They sleep all the time. I think a big thing, especially when we're talking about black adolescents in particular, mm -hmm. is a lot of their um, mental health disorders show clinical word somatically. Okay. So it shows in their body. They have headaches. They have nausea. They have stomach aches. They, you know, oh, I just don't want to go. I'm scared, but they won't say why. Uh, kind of like just nervousness or irritation as a lot of my clients. Oh, I'm irritated. I'm just irritated. They love saying Right, that. right. Um, so with Black children in particular, who where a lot of us are not raised with the language of like, I'm anxious, the way I might see in my white adolescent clients, it shows in their bodies. Their bodies are letting them know that something is wrong. Mm-hmm. So uh, I see that a lot, I guess. So I want to drive that. Okay. Point. Interesting. Yeah, I work. I work with uh, middle school uh, and high school students at risk, Title One. So yeah, I see a lot of like the acting out, you know, um, a lot of the pushback. So that's really interesting. Um, One thing that you, yeah. both of you in Paris, have in common. Um, when it comes to signs, um, I guess you guys sort of work hand in hand in this chain because teachers, certain mandated reporters for a lot of your demo would notice those somatic and irritated and right. those type of red flags are Even happening. The time. They're happening in front of you. And Stella, for some of you all do, don't, do not know, has um, specialized in social emotional teaching in her classrooms. And mm -hmm. so there's a lot of just... A, a, a hyper alertness to those red flags that are bringing therapeutic tactics and methods into the classroom where they're normally not at all used more or less more or less I guess barely used more or less made aware of to students and to faculty and staff so um, Ooh, she, she made me sound good thanks yeah, that is awesome <laughs> but yeah that's um that's what I do I, I use uh, theater and like role playing and a lot of that was social emotional 
learning. Um, and that's why, like, you know, this whole Black Lives Matter thing, the protests, the things that my students are witnessing, it's like, even with the coronavirus, it's such a traumatic thing. And my kids being in the population that they are, I'm interested to see like the social emotional programs that are going to be implemented and this, the things that are going to be done to like serve, you know, that community of children. So that's what my fight is, you know, out here as far as me processing is like those black lives. Let's think about the little black lives that are being traumatized by this, you know? Mm. So, mm. yeah. <clears throat> yeah so. Speaking of some of those red flags and the signs that we're seeing, especially in the youth, and how those Black <clears throat> Lives Matter. Can we talk a little bit about um, fears about mm. therapy? If we can um, dispel some theory, sorry, dispel some myths and get into some misconceptions that we hear daily. Um, and let's break some of those down and really sort of take away some of the taboo that might still be attached to therapy and the words that we're going to use in this conversation. So um, I'd like to start there with, and break down some of that taboo immediately. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know one of my biggest fears um, with just therapy period was medicine. I was so scared that if I ever went to therapy, someone would be like, oh, you need depression medicine. Here's some Zoloft here. I don't know if you guys, if that's the correct one, but you know, one of them, like, you know, here's some of this, like take all these meds. So that I think that's a, a, a big fear. And that's what stopped me previously from going. To mm. Mm, that's fair. I, in the past, I've, I've seen a, I've seen also an assortment of therapy, uh, therapists, um, different levels of therapy. I've been in a psychiatrist's <clears throat> office. I've been in, I've done acupuncture. I've done talk therapy, family therapy um, as a recipient. And I facilitated some therapy sessions. So for me, I didn't have a fear of therapy. I had a, I had an anxiety just about being a client and not being involved on the other side. I was more nervous about breaking down the walls I'm normally organizing for people to, to work through with me. So I, it was hard for me to be a client and nothing else. Um, once I was an adult, to be honest. Um, anybody else have any experiences with therapy outside of professions and uh, perhaps that they wanted to share or just jump in about any of those myths we discussed? Yeah, I'll, um, I think, okay, so I want to say two things. So with Stella, she mentioned sort of like this fear of medication and things like that. And I think that's such a real fear, especially because if you look at Black history and how Black lives were used in terms of um, treatments and things like that, I think that's a very real fear. fear. And even thinking about um, biases that therapists might have. So you go and see a therapist, let's say this therapist, um, <clears throat> or psychiatrist is not a person of color and they don't really maybe understand some of the somatic, somatic symptoms or symptoms or things that you've been describing, like Paris had mentioned, Dina had mentioned, um, and you know they do sort of prescribe medicine or they might view you in a certain way. And so there's so, it's just so much that goes into this um, when you're talking about racial injustices, biases, stereotypes, things like that. So I did want to touch base on that because that is a very real fear and um, I really appreciate you sharing that. Um, but then also on the flip side, I think therapy, um, like for me personally, I, I don't trust a therapist who hasn't been to therapy. I think it's so important for people to be vulnerable and to know what that vulnerability is like. So I feel like um, so many therapists, people I've, uh, I've been to school with, colleagues are like, oh, no, I don't need therapy or, you know, I don't know. You know, it's not about necessarily needing it because, but also some of them therapists need it, <laughs> but also just being able to be vulnerable and to know what the other client is feeling. Like, what is it like on that first session? What is it like having somebody tell you to be assertive to this person in your family? You know, mm -hmm. you're preaching and it's like, you know, what about you practice a little bit about what you're saying? It's so important to have an outlet, to be able to be vulnerable, to experience what it's like being on the other side. So, I mean, it's a, I say this to my clients all the time, like, I wouldn't trust me if I didn't see a therapist. So like yes. when you're looking for someone, you should ask that question. I think it's very fair of you to ask that. And I think it's maybe almost 
um, gonna really serve you in a way that's gonna be helpful, you know? So. Touching on um, going to like a person of a different race or a different ethnicity than yourself, like I, I went to therapy maybe like two years ago because it was like offered through my job and I was like really sad. And I'm like, oh, let me just go. And so I went and she was a white lady. Like there, it was only white women to choose from. Um, and I just sat there and I just cried. I didn't know what to say, where to start. And she just sat there and she just wrote and she just wrote. And I just kept saying, do you think I'm crazy? Do you, I, I'm crazy. Do you, I, I'm, I'm probably crazy. Like, are you going to give me medicine because I don't want medicine? Like that's really how it was. And it made she, you more nervous. I was so nervous because I'm like, this white lady is judging me. Like, you know, she's judging me. Like I'm telling her all these horror stories as quick as I can in an hour and she just doesn't know what to say. And she told me, because I was like, I, I know I read a lot, you know, like, I feel like I can like cure myself, like I can help myself. And she was just like, yeah, I think you know what to do, you know, like, but I don't think you're crazy. And that's what she said to me. And that was, that was my first like thing of therapy. And I was just like, yeah, nah, dog, I, can, I got a lot of self-help books. I'm so sorry that was your first experience like that's trash it should never be like that and no because that if first of all and especially being black in America I feel like everyone should try out therapy at least (laughs) like I Mm. mean we're not no at least once because it's not we're not going to get better with anything if we don't try to do the work right and yes, if you are a therapist and you have never been in therapy, that is a problem. I have been to so many. <laughs> like, I am pro-therapy. I've been to individuals. I've been to couples therapy. I've been in group. I'm in all of them. I, I'll go. That's me. I want to go. I, I want to see what yeah. it feels like for my patients. I want to know what work do I need to have done, right? Mm-hmm. When it comes to medications, I think that if a therapist when you submit with them for 30 minutes, they say, here's what you need. You need to walk away because in no way in these 30 minutes that I've spoken to you, can you tell me that I need medication that's going to literally alter my um, hormones and all these other things about me. So if you can sit here in 30 minutes and I'm telling you basic information about myself and you say, you know what, here's the medication you need. That's a problem. You should walk away. And you have that right. You can try out as many therapists as you want. You are not required to stay with one therapist just because I met with them one time and I built a relationship. You can say, you know what? This is not going to work out for me. This was cute. I'll see you guys later. You don't have to stay. And if they're trying to, if you're telling someone, I do not want medications and they're trying to give it to you, walk away. You are in control of your session, your health at all times. I know that's right. I know that's right right okay yeah that was it was a it was interesting and I never went back like she was like I would love to see you again you know but I I'm currently you know going through some therapy session I have a, a black lady um she's like hella dope she gives me like auntie vibes you know she's so cool and she keeps it real and um yeah so it's it's, it's pretty dope so I love it same here um full disclosure I, I see my therapist like, um, like a, a, a personal trainer that I keep on maintenance. I don't see her when I need to, I'll see my good friend every two weeks, but when I'm not in distress and when I feel like I've, I'm using my tools and I feel like I don't have, when I feel like I'm not losing it. totally you know in layman's terms that's how I feel when I Mm -hmm. need that boost I feel like I'm out of control I notice the words I use when I'm feeling that is control I feel like nothing I that I'm supposed to have in order is in order and I feel very discombobulated and that's normally my personal red flag to jump in and and call my therapist um and so when I get like a refresher, you know, like a boxer mm. in the ring, I get, I just, she comes over, we wipe the sweat, we fix my busted lip, and we, 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 yes, yes, <laughs> yes, she tells me to stay off the rope, she, we get a couple of prep talk moments, and then I go about back out into the ring, and I use those tools, so to speak, until I feel like I need another refresher, and that's how I balance it currently, and, um, in my grown ass life. But other, other than that, I, I'm a, I'm a 
very huge advocate of all types of therapy. Um, uh, and we'll talk more about that too. All right. So hashtag Black Lives Matter is definitely the, I think, the biggest hashtag in the world right now. Uh, protesting is something that I am all about. I love it. I think it's a beautiful thing um, when a bunch of people get together and really like express themselves. Um, so yeah, I've been out protesting. My students have been out here with us some. Um, um, Atlanta, the streets are, haven't been cleared for any recent weeks. Like it's every, in any street is popping. Any, any street, Paris, you're from, yeah. Paris is in Atlanta too, right? And we haven't, nobody has stopped out here. I haven't been outside protesting. Uh, my partner has, so he's gone out. Um, also kind of working with like food banks and getting food out and stuff and donating. That's been my role, but my partner's been out there and it has been nuts and it has not stopped. Had anyone else been out and participated in any way in any <clears throat> protests in their city? What's the protest tone in your city? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I live in New York, but I'm not there right now. I'm with my parents in Vegas. And so I am missing like all the protests and stuff. So there's been like, I mean, honestly, I don't even think there's maybe a few protests at the end of May, beginning of June. Um, down the strip but then I think like uh, I don't know if it was I don't want to get the news messed up but I know somebody or some people had got shot from like alt-right folks mm -hmm. here mm -hmm. um, and so uh, it's kind of like been halted and really I don't even think anything has been going on here but I'm really <clears throat> the protests in New York and I'm hoping that by the time I get back to New York I'll be able to to hit the streets because I live in Harlem hey. and I feel like that's where everything is and I mean like my dissertation is on this I've done research on Black Lives Matter like all of this stuff is so important to me and so I'm missing it like I want to be out there like <laughs> every day right. and, um, I teach uh, multicultural issues at City College which is in New York and you know I just imagine and hope that some of my students that I taught were like out there in the streets so you know, even though I'm not doing anything specifically right now, I'm just kind of hoping that the things that I've done in the past are kind of like coming in and playing a role now. So, Hey guys, stay tuned for part two of this dynamic conversation with Dr. Shakira and our cool counselors, Dina and Paris. The next part of this gem dropping episode will air next week on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. In the meantime, make sure you follow, subscribe, rate, and review our podcast and share this episode with two people that came to mind while you were listening. Thanks for tuning in. See you next time.